I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Welcome to my vagina. <laughs> Where are we? What's today? <laughs> Welcome to my vagina. This is Jesse Karen. And I'm Rebecca Frank. And here we are again having our current historical, hysterical, infuriating conversation about our lives as vagina having organisms. All content made up on the spot, but probably researched. Just kidding, you fools. It's definitely researched. Welcome, Joanna. Welcome to our vagina. Welcome to your vagina. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to my vagina. <laughs> the quick detour. A How deep, are you? deep vortex, a cemetery of mediocre potential. <laughs> um, how are you? I'm fabulous. How yeah, are you doing? You are fabulous. Joanna, please tell us about yourself and uh, also your pronoun preferences. My name is Joanna Cifredo. I use she and her pronouns. I am from Puerto Rico. I was raised in Florida. I grew up in the first half of my childhood in Pompano Beach, just outside of Fort Lauderdale. Um, so eventually we uh, moved to Orlando and settled in Kissimmee. Oh my God, Kissimmee. I, I spent all my summers in Lakeland and Polk City. I know. Nobody knows where that is. There's nothing I there have, except for Lion I've Mart. actually reported on their sheriff's department. What? Yeah. Really? Why? So they have uh, these stingray operations where they claim to try, they take basically money um, to combat human trafficking. And instead of actually like targeted outreach to try and get young people, young women who are being trafficked into the sex trade, they just have these stingrays where they just arrest the sex workers. Most of them are, you know, engaging in consensual sex work survival sex work um and then the purchaser the johns they release their names out in the public they arrest uh every so often they always catch a few trans women they misgender the trans women they release their dead names where these people work if they collect any public assistance and it only exacerbates the vulnerability that they experience when they come out and we just subjected them to all this trauma and so 
this is something that police departments do throughout the country. Um, but Polk County is one of the worst offenders. And so, yeah, while I worked at the National Center for Transgender Equality, I actually reported on a sting operation that they did. Wow. Wow. That is so dangerous. I feel like at one point in our lives, we're going to have like a thing that where an emoji can (laughs) pop up and I have the like brain explosion going right now. (sighs) My childhood seems so different now. (laughs) It's like one of these things you think about. It's so fucked. I want to say that that surprises me. Not that I would expect it. Not that it was something that I would predict, but like. People are the worst. Florida's the worst. Florida is, like, Florida is the worst. You're like, let's like, be real here. Let's be real. Like, there's a reason why I don't live in Florida. Yeah. There's a right? reason why there's a Florida man. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Although, and there's a reason why I'm here is to escape many Florida men. Yeah. When did you leave? I, I moved out six years ago to Washington, D.C., and then I moved here six months ago. Oh, cool. Oh, you're brand new to New York. Welcome. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> to her vagina. Sorry. Yeah. Welcome to my vagina. <laughs> We're all about consent here. Um, and everyone here is welcome to my vagina. <laughs> Thank you. You have you're an exclusive pass for a limited time. There's like a quarter machine. <laughs> Ten minutes is up. Thank you. <laughs> Down to Florida. We welcome you to the Sunshine State. They're kicking back and soaking up the rays every day in Florida. Joanna, tell us about your comedy. So I started doing stand-up last year um, because of some friends who who kind of pushed me in that direction. And since moving to New York, I've been, you know, diving, diving neck, head first, head yeah. first. Yeah. Neck first uh, would be hard. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> It'd be feet first. Yeah. Vagina feet first. first. Vagina exactly. <laughs> I recently took a class at the pit, which is the people's improv theater. Mm-hmm. It was an all women stand up class, which I love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because one, all my classmates and my teacher are amazing and super, super funny. Um, but also when you go to all women's class and you do like open mics with all women, mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about being harassed by the male comedians <laughs> or getting like date raped or mm-hmm. like, I, I know that's a low bar, but <laughs> Yeah, and at least true. I have like three other girls that laugh at my jokes. So. Right. <laughs> Nowadays, I walk into a room and if it's all women, I'm so relieved. I'm like, cool. I don't have to worry about anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I love the men in my life, but yeah, still. The ones in my life that I, I specifically curated. Exactly. <laughs> yes. The men I have, that for. I have vetted. Yeah. They've been trained. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. You have been approved to fix yeah. my refrigerator. <laughs> Safe places to touch. Yeah. Welcome to my vagina. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen Nanette yet? No. Who's Nanette? Okay. Hannah Gadsby just did a stand-up piece called Nanette that she named before she did it, and the name has no actual relevance to it. It's incredible wait is it i think i did see this yeah it's streaming on netflix she's yeah, a tasmanian yeah, yeah, woman yeah yeah yeah, yeah. lesbian it's, yes not lesbian enough right 
Exactly. <laughs> is that exactly. She says? Yeah, she like is talking about how there wasn't enough lesbian content in her show, and she's like, "I'm on stage the entire time." You know, like I don't know what else fucking looking for. I'm right here. Yeah. Um, Do you want a neon sign that says I'm gay? That's yeah. something that I've thought about because sometimes I wonder, like, am I queer enough? Do you have to ask that question? That's I because. I have a lot of heterosexual sex. <laughs> so okay. Uh-huh. I figure I'm like, am I queer enough? <laughs> How queer do I have to be to be queer? Right. I feel like the trans part's the only thing that gives me straight cred. That's one of the things that she ta- that she talks about. How included she is or like where she is on this spectrum and what her cred is. And why do you have to like ask that question? Am I femme enough? Am I gay enough? You know, should I be this? I asked a group of my coworkers who are lesbian. I was like, on the femme spectrum, where would you categorize me? And they were like, hi, femme. I'm like, really? Because I feel like I have so much area for improvement. <laughs> well, I only just met you and you're like a gazillion times more stylish than I am. I've only ever True. seen you in this one outfit. Your umbrella um, matches your dress. <laughs> well, it's just because I wear a lot of purple. So. Oh, okay. Well. That's a way to always match. Yeah. Pick a color. Yeah. Go with it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I also get a lot of different colors. So at some point, it just looks like you're color blocking. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I like it. Where can we find your stuff? Or like, do you do stand-up comedy anywhere? So I just, I'm starting to perform now at Dangerfields. I will be performing August 18th at Dangerfield. And again, September I'm also organizing a all-women stand-up comedy show at the Historic Crane Theater. It's going to be August 29th at 7 p.m. And all the proceeds are going to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's congressional campaign. Awesome. How fucking stoked are you? (laughs) I'm so stoked. I'm going to do an SNL impersonation of her. Oh, my God. SNL, call me. (laughs) SNL. <laughs> Welcome to my vagina. <laughs> my Twitter handle is at Joanna Cifredo. All my social media handles are at Joanna Cifredo. <laughs> I'm, I'll watch it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to watch and it. And applaud. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Group of women. Support. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah, so definitely come out. Yeah. I'll put all the location stuff in our episode notes. Oh, we want to hear about your podcast. Yeah. What's I just focus? listened to a live the live episode from DC where you were talking about trans representation in the media and the sign that you had and uh, finding marked for your lives. Yeah, and it said gun control should have happened after Selena was killed. I was in yep. the kitchen and I was like <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I was listening to it getting in the Uber today and I was like, yeah, she's right. <laughs> oh, I I love how that sign resonated with so many different Oh my people. God. Yeah. <laughs> so um, our our podcast, I do it with my one of my best friends, Rebecca Kling. Uh, it's the Trans-Pacific Partnership. I can't claim... Um, you know, credibility for the name. It was her brainchild. <laughs> my my idea was um, pensive thoughts, T H O T. But she she put the kibosh on that one. <laughs> I lobbied really hard. I was like, "Come on, Becca, we could do like little after segments and call them afterthoughts." <laughs> I love that. She's like, nah. but she was like, "No." So we eventually settled <laughs> on the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and it's basically just. A conversation with my best friend, 
who's also trans. We're both trans women, um, but we come to our transness from very different backgrounds. Um, she grew up middle class in in the northern part of Chicago in a very affluent um, suburb, or like suburb. And I grew up amongst a lot of Latinos mm-hmm. in Florida um, in a very uh, migrant and immigrant community. A um, lot of working class, lower income people of color. Um, I lived in a multi-issue household. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we we just have very different experiences at, that we bring to our transness mm-hmm. um, in terms of just being able to express ourselves growing up in terms of access and resources mm-hmm. um, and journeys that we've had with our families. And so we we discuss everything from trans media representation to trans people in politics to resources, developments, things going on in the Trump administration, just our lives as trans women. Mm-hmm. Pretty privilege. I really like that one. Oh yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> that was one of my one of my favorite episodes. Cause um I I I had I recently had a conversation with one of my trans girlfriends who transitioned I, I want to say about three years ago. Mm-hmm. And she went through this phase that Jenny Flynn Boyle and she calls um the p- pink cloud when trans women first transition, they get like really girly. And <laughs> and she's like, she goes, I don't get pretty privilege. I'm like, yes, you do. And she's like, no, I don't. I'm like, remember when you first transitioned, you used to brag all the time about how, oh my God, this guy told me he was, I was so beautiful. Cause she, she's a flight attendant. And this one, he told me that I was so pretty and this and that. I'm like, girl, that was pretty privilege. <laughs> I'm like, if they didn't say that shit before, it's because you're experiencing pretty privilege. Yeah. (laughs) Have a seat. And poof. (laughs) There's your pink cloud. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, just acknowledge it. Own it. Or not own it, I guess. Uh, What was it that Rebecca said that you had to stop taking MTA Oh, yeah. And I was like, no, screw that. (laughs) That's reparation. Yeah. I'm like, that's reparations for Latinas only making 54 cents on the dollar. Right. Fuck, yes. So anyway, so you worked for the Obama administration. Can you tell us? No, you didn't. No. Oh, Ryan's a goddamn liar. (laughs) No. I worked for the, I was a policy analyst for racial and economic justice for the National Center for Transgender Equality. Oh, cool. And I had, in, in that experience, I had the privilege of working with the Obama administration. Awesome. So actually, interesting enough, a well-known uh, transgender activist named Genesette, she she attended the uh, Pride ceremony at the White House that year, and she, she hackled the president. <laughs> um, I don't know if anyone remembers this, but... She she said, Obama, why are you detaining trans women? And she was trying to draw attention to mm-hmm. the Obama's administration of of detaining uh, trans uh, women. Okay. And, and other sexual minorities who, if you look statistically, actually have the highest rates of vulnerability in confinement settings. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the room, many of the mostly gay men silenced her. Uh, and now mm-hmm. it's it's interesting that this year... In Pride Month, we actually, a lot of the focus was on detention centers and children that are currently being detained in, in ICE 
immigration detention centers. <laughs> and so during this experience, um, Ob- the Obama administration actually decided to say, we we do need to hire a trans person. They're, so they actually end up hiring Rafi Friedman Gerstmann, who's a friend of mine. Uh, and she was actually the racial and economic justice policy analyst at the National Center for Transgender Equality prior to me. Okay. And so she started working with the Obama administration. And then she... With her encouragement, she told me to apply for her old position. I did. I was hired. And I had the opportunity to work a lot with her in her capacity at the White House, where she did an amazing job. Um, She was the first trans person, open trans woman, to be hired by any administration. And she really just held the door open and said, hey, guys, come on. (laughs) Follow me. (laughs) Yeah, we uh, she was quickly promoted to, I believe, assistant director of uh, the Office for Public Engagement, which is the office that spearheads like the community outreach arm of the administration. And I actually had the privilege of helping organize the very last queer event in the Obama White House. And it was a very somber event because it was around, I think it was November 18th, which is two days before the uh, <laughs> trans, day, <laughs> trans Day of Remembrance, but it was also a few weeks after the election. We yeah. need to have more tissues in here. But it was it just, nice. We were in community. and Just yeah. hearing any time around November of 2016, just like, I it know. hurts my heart. I know. <laughs> heart. For like the longest. All you heard was, <laughs> Did you meet Michelle? <laughs> no, I Damn. saw Michelle. I saw, like, there's been multiple events at the White House where like her and the president will come out They'll say their little spiel and then they'll dip out, Mm -hmm. you know. And so you'll be like super close. I shook hands with President Obama and that was like as close as I got. Most of the time it's like I'm super close. I'm like four feet away and I could take a picture. But they're just speaking, you know, because it's that's what they do at the Christmas parties. Yeah, they just (laughs) come out and that's it. Your hand touched the man who touched her. (laughs) So much. They are so much better looking in person than they are on camera, which is oh, saying a lot because yeah. they're really good looking in pictures. <laughs> yeah. So. Is it just like a light glow around them, you think? Michelle Obama has a halo. She <laughs> glides across the floor. <laughs> no, it's a very uh, surreal experience. I, I remember the first time I got to go to the White House. The first time I actually went to the White House, it wasn't actually to the White House, it was to the EEOB, the Eisenhower Executive Office Building, which is where Thank all you. the staffers <laughs> To the White House are, and it's the really pretty building next to the White House. It's this beautiful office building that, in my opinion, is actually kind of prettier than the White House. Oh. It has a lot of architectural detail. So I went for a meeting there, and they had what's called the Tuesday Night Roundtable, which is this roundtable of all these progressive groups on environmental justice and repo justice and immigration justice and all these different uh, amazing groups who come together and talk about their priorities for their different issues. And I remember afterwards, my my boss, Mara Kiesling, goes, have you ever been to the White House? I said, no. And if you exit through the eastern side, it opens up to the White House. So you can't really go in, but you're like in the driveway of the White House. Mm-hmm. I remember that as a trans person, as a Puerto Rican person, I just remember thinking like, holy crap, this is pretty cool. I can't believe the turn of events that of my life that led me to stand at 
this place right at here. this moment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool. It's so awesome. It's like you think about all of the choices you've made or all of the like every little thing, like taking a job, having a conversation with that person that day, like all of these things. I don't necessarily believe in like things being predestined, but I cer- but I certainly believe that any small change would have huge impact on like every little thing that happens. Yeah, no, and it I think sometimes we often forget the progress we've made as a culture, as a society, like my story. If I would have been born 10 years prior, it probably wouldn't have been possible, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And only in this country would my story be possible. I've been thinking since the 4th of July about this, the notion of patriotism, because I I feel much more patriotic in terms of my Puerto Rican identity, because I feel like I'm I'm Puerto Rican American and and in that order, like my Puerto Rican-ness comes Mm -hmm. first. Mm -hmm. And I've been trying to think about what where are the parts of my patriotism that that lie with my American side? Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking about, for me, it's it's the people. It's the struggle of so many different Americans who've, who've previously not been included in the we, the people, mm-hmm. who have fought to expand that circle of inclusivity. Mm-hmm. Be yeah. part of the we. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's actually, I've been having a hard time seeing the good side of being in this country recently it's good to it's good to be reminded that like even while it feels so much like we're moving backwards that we have not only have we gone forwards so much that there's so many people that will not allow that regression to happen you know and just to remember that once certain lines are crossed in terms of visibility and all of this kind of stuff you can't you can't make people disappear again it's a good thing to remember because, mm. you know, you open the newspaper these days and it's really, really hard. Yeah. What We're irritates me is when white guys are cynics. Because you're the one who has the power. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, you can't be cynical because yeah. you have the, it's your job to fix all this. Exactly. Right. <laughs> you, you fucking broke it, dude. Yeah. No, you they don't even it. need to fix it. They need to hand it over. Yeah. <laughs> And let us fix it. Yeah, they need that, to just shut you up. Go. You know, there because you they're they fucked it up beyond they they can't do it. They've yeah. shown us we gave them a chance. Well, not 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 we didn't not consent. <laughs> we didn't consent to it. They just went in there and fucked it. <laughs> Put their giant dick in the U.S. You all thinking about it now? <laughs> I was thinking of in a Florida out. man, and then I was thinking of Florida. <laughs> Florida as the dick. Yeah. <laughs> But I weirdly feel way more positive now. I do find that when people bring up that cynicism, I'm just like, yes, there, there's a lot to be cynical about. And I will still get angry and we deserve to be angry and we deserve to get pissed off and upset and be like, you're not doing enough. But that being said, if we look back even five years ago, what we've accomplished as a society is is kind of impressive, considering where we were. Oh, you yeah, know, no, it's I've, still not enough. So I grew up in Florida. And I remember the 2000 election really making an impression on me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember during the, the Bush years as a queer young person of color, really, and, and especially when I was going into my teen years, mm-hmm. the rhetoric around marriage equality started heating up. And there was a State of the Union that, that President Bush gave, which I really remember feeling under attack. Mm-hmm. And I remember being scared. And I, I, I'm a person that who always grew up being bullied in school, but I remember being scared on a much more macro level mm-hmm. as opposed to just me being bullied 
in my school or within my community or within my within my church, I felt more targeted on a much like my government mm-hmm. has a target on me now. Yeah. And that was something that I didn't quite always feel like before. And I remember in the last year or so of, of Bush's administration, my brother had served a tour and I was in Florida and we we could see the the impact of the economic crisis in our communities. Mm-hmm. Um, 192 even to this day, there was a really great movie called The Florida Project mm-hmm. that profiled um, these mothers who essentially have raised their kids in motels off of 192. And that actually happened mm-hmm. and during the, the height of the economic crisis. So many families were evicted that they took house in, in these motels off of 192. And since a lot of those families have been able to you know, get their lives back on track, Mm-hmm. But a lot of those single moms who work in hospitality field and retail industries that don't pay well because they're they're heavily occupied by, you know, lower income people and people of color and specifically women, they they haven't been able to to access a dignified life. Mm-hmm. And that, again, that's because of policies of this yeah. country. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I. I remember the the despair that I saw in my community and the despair that I felt within my own life and within mm-hmm. my own home and, and my household and within my family. And during the eight years of the Obama administration, it's not to say that things improved for everyone, but I definitely, I saw the impact that policy mm-hmm. had in my family, it had in my own life, it had within my communities. So that's why I dedicated... You know, my I've always dedicated my life to to fighting for my community. It was just more of a direct services when I was younger, and then it turned into more policy work as I I progressed in my twenties. I am a optimistic realist mm-hmm. in the sense that I genuinely believe that people are good and want to do good. I also believe that a large majority of people are very complacent, mm-hmm. largely because in my experience here in the United States, large swath of people in the United States are white and are, are don't feel that they're impacted by a lot of policies. And so because of that disconnect, I and and the way the, the United States is made up is that white people in this country hold the majority of power. That's the conundrum mm-hmm. is that, you know, I can work on like issues of racial and economic justice, but really if, unless we get white people really to be on board and understand those things and support those things, are we going to make that that advancement? I believe that we can. That's why I do the work that I do to raise consciousness, educate people, to push this conversation forward. I believe that everything I do, I like to educate while I do it. I I do it for the purpose of educating and advancing a conversation forward. I wonder because I am noticing that it it does feel as though there's a lot more activism occurring now than there was under Bush, even though there was a lot of of activism. I think that, you know, he kind of operated within the norms of government. And so people weren't quite as horrified about the erosion of of our um, republic. Yeah, exactly. I guess I'm wondering, is it that we're just older and therefore more aware? Or do you think that that people, I mean, really specifically white people 
are we being more active now under the Trump administration than under the Bush administration? I think it's a little bit of everything. So I think a large portion of this conversation that we're we're not talking about is the role of technology, mm-hmm. specifically for marginalized communities, specifically for queer communities. I remember growing up just trying to get in contact with other trans people. Mm. That was a challenge. There mm-hmm. was no Facebook groups. The, there was almost no resources, and the few that existed online were created for and by very privileged older white trans women. There was no resources for a young trans uh, Latina, you know, that mm-hmm. that just didn't exist. And so our, the, the way in which we, we've been able to connect via Twitter, via Instagram, has changed the game. It's how mm-hmm. we organize these days. Yeah. And so our ability to get information out when a trans person is murdered, when an unarmed black man is murdered, when when these when these tragedies occur, when when an immigrant in a detention center is murdered, mm-hmm. when these things occur, our our ability as a community to respond effectively and put pressure on traditional media outlets to talk about these things that that they haven't or that they've ignored before or have been misreporting on has changed. And so I think that is a something significantly different that has changed, for example, compared to the, the Bush administration. Yeah, the Bush administration. Mm-hmm. Uh, the issue we have now is that we have so many different scandals and so many different news stories that mm-hmm. how do we find enough outrage for everything? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I feel like we're not even talking about like some of the most important stuff, like traditional media outlets. I feel like they're not even talking about some of the most important things. Like what? I, I think the the whole thing about like breaking protocol with the queen. I thought that was a wasted news story. Mm. Like we we know that this is a man who yeah. doesn't believe in protocol. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's, it's like news. why why are we wasting time on this? Mm-hmm. We have a Supreme Court nominee. We should be coming through his record. Right. You know, we should be talking about legal experts. We should be reporting on the stories of deported immigrants, mm-hmm. of separated children. We should be talking, uh, you know, to immigration experts. There's so many different pressing news stories that are not getting attention because mm-hmm. we're focused on the president walking in front of the queen. Well, he did it in front of his you know, he he trailed Hillary Clinton right. around mm-hmm. in a presidential debate for the world to see. You yeah. think he would shadowing her? Yeah, it's, yeah. He's it's he's like a what are those called? Like the people who like conduct the circus. Everything he does is a ringleader. Yeah, it but it feels kind of like that. Like you know, I wonder sometimes whether it's an intentional thing that he's doing or whether it's just a byproduct of him just being a complete ass, like soulless asshole. But like either way. This the effect is the same. Either way, he's gonna be who he is. Right. This isn't new behavior. Mm-hmm. Right. You know the fact that oh my god, an outrageous president went across, <laughs> oh, like went to another continent, did outrageous things, and said right. outrageous things. What do you do? Where's the Shocking. news there? It's not breaking yeah. news. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like for me, my focus is more like the media. You need to be reporting on news. Where's mm-hmm. the actual news? Mm-hmm. You know, because there's a lot of things right now that are going on that are very problematic to this country that call into question our ethics, our 
our moral standing, Mm -hmm. our place in the world, so many different things that impact so many different marginalized communities in the U.S. that you are not spending time focusing on because you're talking about the president walking in front of the queen. Right, Mm -hmm. which then like reinforces all of the privilege that if you if you don't tell the stories of if you don't tell people stories that actually like that these policies are actually impacting, you are re-privileging the same people that want to, that only care about the fact that the president walked in front of the queen. Well, what a luxury. And do they care? I'm always so curious. Are they just getting played by this administration? Like, how can the media yes. be that foolish? Well, that's Almost. where the 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 coastal elite part comes in. Because... Really, if you actually talk about Democrats, working class people in this country, no one actually gives a crap that he... I mean, in the grand scheme of things, no one, no one really cares. Yes, is it great if our president doesn't go and embarrass us in other countries? <laughs> Absolutely. Low bar. <laughs> right? Absolutely. I love the fact that I used to have a president, first lady, who went, who could go anywhere mm-hmm. in this world. And I didn't have to worry about them acting a fool yeah. and it reflecting on us when we go to Cancun. But, right. you know, but that's not the world we, we live in. We are still going to be reflected poorly at Cancun. Yeah. I know. I know. I just kind of feel like it's our focus, our energy needs to be placed elsewhere. Yeah. It could be better spent yeah. Yeah. on things that matter. Absolutely. Yeah. Sounds so simple. I know, right? Have you visited Puerto Rico? So I went last summer prior to the hurricane. I'm mm-hmm. going uh, next month in August. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm working on actually opening up a nonprofit in Puerto Rico. Oh, oh awesome. And, yeah, summer camp. That's Aww. fucking so cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yes, I'm a camp counselor at Camp Aranudic, which is a camp for trans and gender variant young people mm-hmm. um, in New Hampshire. And... After the hurricane, all all my friends who are Puerto Rican activists, we quickly tried to make sure our families were okay and then our um but then like I think about six months in, my mind and, and a lot of my friends' minds switched to what are we doing long term for the betterment mm-hmm. Puerto Rico? And that's where I started thinking about, I want to build a summer camp. I want to build a sleepaway summer camp for Puerto Rican youth. And specifically for Puerto Rican youth of the diaspora, in the next census, Puerto Ricans will be living outside of Puerto Rico 201. Wow. Um, yeah, we, there currently there's more Puerto Ricans that live outside of Puerto Rico than in Puerto Rico. And that's a direct result of colonization, bad economic policies, political disenfranchisement, climate change. Mm-hmm. And what does that do to us as a people? Yeah. yeah. And our uh, the preservation of our history, our culture, of our connections to our land, our language. And so through my camp, Camp Albizu is the name I'm naming after uh, Don Pedro Albizu Campos, okay. who was the president of the Puerto Rican Independence Party, the 30s, 40s, and early 50s. And he was a political prisoner of the United States. He was persecuted by the FBI, and he was eventually killed through radiation poisoning. Oh, my God. Um, wow. Yeah, he was literally cooked to death in his cell. Oh, my God. God, we're the fucking worst. Yeah. 
And so, Jesus Christ. So the, when you when you were talking about like, oh, I see the American flag so differently now, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. You're like, welcome. <laughs> welcome to the club. Yeah. But I mean, that that just goes to show you like the privilege that I've had, you yeah. know, my entire life to have it only be really changing so much now. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the 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 problem is in the United States is that we don't actually teach history. Yep. We teach his story, mm-hmm. you know, but we don't actually teach history, uh, inclusive history. You know, we don't have actual inclusive curriculums where, you know, we actually teach history from different perspectives and lenses. And so it it doesn't surprise me that anyone here doesn't know the history of Puerto Rico, because even in Puerto Rico, our history is colonized. Mm-hmm. Even Puerto Rican youth aren't given a real history of, of Puerto Rico. And so that's one of the things that I'm trying to to remedy through my campus to strengthen our identity as a people, but really instill in young people a sense of who they are and where they come from. Mm-hmm. Well, when you get that set up, and if you're at any point taking donations for that, we'll yeah. also link and try and send as many people your way as possible. Oh, yeah. I will definitely be back when we launch the the crowdfunding campaign for the land. And one more teeny little thing. Um, This might put you on the spot a little bit, but we're (laughs) working on a uh, reading list. And if there are any books that you just love that you feel like people aren't reading enough or authors that people don't know, stuff like that. If you can think of anything. Yeah. Sarah McBride just came out with a really good book called Tomorrow Will Be Different. She's actually a good friend of mine. She's a great uh, transgender activist. And um, she she talks about her, her marriage to the late Andy Crane, who was a good friend of ours. He was a trans man and he was an activist in D.C. They fell in love. And she talks about their love, her journey, her own personal journey with her identity, her love of politics, her advocacy work, uh, her healthcare advocacy work, and yeah, and her political aspirations. That's a really, really great read. Awesome. And the foreword is actually by Joe Biden because she is from Delaware. Oh, what? Awesome. Mm-hmm. That's cool. awesome. Thanks. Also, yeah. if you're looking for any new shows, yeah. watch FX Pose. It's amazing. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's produced, written, directed, starring trans people all throughout. Yes. Yes. It takes place in 1987 in New York's um, ballroom. Cool. Yeah. New York City's uh, ballroom scene. So think if you've ever seen uh, Paris is Burning, it's like that. Awesome. It's amazing. Fucking it's great writing. Great. Thank yeah. you so much for coming on. Thank you. Do you, you have anything you want to ask us or? I'm good for now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for hanging out in my vagina. <laughs> yeah. It's so comfortable. I yeah. know. It's so warm and cozy it is in warm. here. <laughs> At the core of it, it's community. It's about being alone and then finding people that are just like you. I'm able to be true to myself in a space where that's celebrated. That makes me feel beautiful. Give them some music and would you rather have a vagina on your neck or balls on your thumb? I'd rather have a vagina anywhere. Awesome. <laughs> I feel like we debated that for like 10 minutes and you did such a much better job. Yeah. You were just like, duh. Yeah. I was like, do I want to get fucked in my neck? Probably. I mean, extra just Maybe. a discharge that comes out. Do I have, do I menstruate? Oh, if you get neck? fucked in your neck, does, does that have any effect on your gag reflex? Oh, I don't. I, I'm, I'm just curious if it comes back out your mouth. 
I guess that depends on yeah, the size. Yeah, kind of like if you put a noodle up your nose. <laughs> yeah, no, just no like that, Rebecca. That. That's super little. Freddy Cougar-ish. Like, <laughs> it's morphin' time. Well, that was, I mean, <laughs> she's right. Who wants an extra set of balls? Who wants the first pair? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody here. <laughs> nope. Would you rather plan the tan plaid, I'm a little slow today, or sweat cheese? Tan plaid or sweat cheese. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, what kind of cheese are we talking about? That's the See, debate. See, that's what I want to know. That's the debate. So, I had, I am like wrong. Like, cheddar, American, blue, schmegma. Like, <laughs> schmegma. <laughs> I mean, hopefully not. Cheese. Stinky cheese. Is it? <laughs> schmegma is a cheese? Yeah. What, what cheese what is animal schmegma? Does it, what animal it does it come later. I, I'm going to look it up now. Are you kidding? I just thought it was dick cheese. <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said look it up. <laughs> they'll sell it at they sell it at Pathmark now. I was waiting I for the reaction on her face. I know. I could, I wish that I'd had a chance. To look a whore. Awesome. <laughs> when I too discovered Dick Cheese. I love you like what animal is that from? <laughs> now my brain's oh, going the worst everywhere. Animal. Yes. In my head, Indeed. I was like, I know what dick cheese is, but did like some did somebody decide to name like goat cheese or like some kind of chev uh chev chev chevre? I, I love chevre. the word schmegma because I feel like it's such an appropriate scientific <laughs> term for what it describes. I feel like it's the nickname for every boyfriend yeah. ever. Oh, oh that fucking wait, schmegma. boyfriend or ex boyfriend? Yeah. yeah. Both. Okay. Yeah, that fucking schmegma over there. Yeah. Yeah. Depends Absolutely. on your mood, but I feel it. Yeah. It's like Yiddish. It's fucking fantastic. Yeah, don't even answer that question. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or do you want a tan plaid or, or, or sweat, sweat cheese? Sweat schmegma. I mean, Ugh. I feel like I wouldn't be. It depends on. If you have a para good parasol. <laughs> well, it depends on the angle of the plaid, because if not, it could just be like contouring. Like if I could, who knows how to do I their could makeup. angle it at just the right <laughs> angle. Yeah, exactly. It might save me like five minutes in the mirror. You can't go to the beach, really. Well, you just get a spray tan afterwards. Have yeah. them blend it. That's wow, a you're a genius. You know, Bro, I should just it. have an advice column. Yeah. But what would it be called? Did you hear that? Did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Welcome to My Vagina. It's time for us to slide on out of here. God damn it. It doesn't sound right when I do it. I know. <laughs> Places you can find us <laughs> on Instagram at Welcome to My Vagina. We're trying to get a thousand followers to tell your friends. And uh, Twitter at Welcome to My Vag. We also have a website, welcometomyvagina.com, which leads you to my YouTube page. Also, yep. Welcome to My Vagina. Uh-huh. And there's a blog section where I have posted a couple of things, but we're also looking for writers. So if you have interesting opinions, if you are a person who wants to break into writing and wants to share your voice, we're looking for diverse opinions, all sorts of different people. We're basically looking know. for anyone who's not a cisgender man. We, yeah. We definitely want you guys to be allies, but right now we're looking yeah. for other voices. Yeah. And also, we love uh, our white women peers but we're two white women sitting here so we'd love more diverse voices also thank you so much to our producer uh caitlin moldenhauer of more banana productions please check out all of the work from this all women network including world stealers there will be porn i'm listening with anita flores and awkward sex in the city with natalie wall which is coming to you in july 
Yeah, more banana production is killing it. Yeah, guys, we're kind of taking over the world. And don't forget to review us. And subscribe and tell your friends. Yeah. And we're going to have merch soon. Merch. I don't know why that word always makes me think of Merkins. Ooh. (laughs) Merkin merch. Also check out all of Rebecca's writing at franklyrebecca.com. Da-da-da! Da-da-da! Yeah! All right. See you next Tuesday. (laughs) See you next Tuesday. (laughs) 